1: Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to talk about a number of challenges to religious freedom, um, the shortage of nurses, the impact on our economy because of COVID. To help talk about these and other case matters, uh, we have with us here now a constitutional law attorney, Michael Peffer, who heads up the Southern California office for us at PJI. Welcome, Michael. Great to be here, Brad. Oh, great to, great to have you, great to have you. Um, so let's start off mm-hmm. with Idaho. Now, many people, they think of Idaho, Michael, as sort of a safe territory. Yeah. You don't have to worry about religious freedom, parents' rights, sanctity of life. Uh, Idaho is the, the retreat center, if you will, for conservatism. If you, uh, but in reality, um, it is a bit of a challenge, even for those who are calling for basics of constitutionality. That's right.
2: Yeah, we we have this story there where I think most uh Christians know about Sean Foigt, who is uh, I believe that's how he pronounces his name, but he you know, he's the long blonde hair guy, plays guitar, he he ministers all over the country really. And um and has been really successful in bringing some evangelism to many different quarters even during the COVID um uh period uh and uh, we've all actually represented him, advised him and his group uh, on A m- this. A number of times uh, exactly. ac- across
1: the country when he was being challenged to share the gospel, right. preach the gospel. We've stepped in. We've represented him. Yep. When thugs try to, you know, police try to get him arrested. And uh, instead of focusing on the real criminals, they focus on people like him. That's right. And we've stepped in successfully. Yep. Well, I understand he's got another conflict here, I guess, in Idaho. What's, what's going on?
2: Yeah, what happened in Idaho is uh, that uh, one of their major newspapers, and, and I hope they cease to be a major newspaper, but one of their newspapers, the Idaho Statesman, published a, a, a column that basically disparaged him, really referring to his event, which was really a gather and pray and worship at the capital of Idaho. And they called it dangerous Christian nationalism.
1: Now, I know the left has been using that term. Yes. Uh, The Democrats are using that term in a very scary, (coughs) frightening way. Yeah. yeah. As if to imply that somehow conservative Christians, patriotic Christians, are a danger to America. That's right. That, it it makes no sense at all. Yeah. Uh, People with a Christian worldview are now being isolated and vilified not being for being a conservative, but for being a Christian, yes, who is patriotic and believes in our fundamental rights yeah. under the Constitution, yeah, as if there's some kind of dangerous kind of Nazi f- entity or something that's that's brewing yeah. it's that's very scary, and uh, I think is the precept for intolerance, um, discrimination, and bigotry against people of faith in the workplace as well as in public squares like this
2: exactly, and what's interesting is that. I don't see this gentleman as primarily a political figure. He's primarily a religious figure. He's calling for revival. he's calling for prayer and worship in the public uh, uh, in public places, which is guaranteed by our First Amendment and and uh, primarily preaching the gospel and having good results too. people a lot of people go to these things and so the left, through this newspaper in this circumstance, but the left is doing what you said. They're they're calling them this Christian nationalism as if it's uh, the people we have to fear are these mellow Christians who are out there worshiping God rather than the people tearing down buildings and burning buildings.
1: Now, the old Democrats in our country would never use that term. Yeah. Uh, They would attend the rally. They were not ashamed of their faith. Yeah. I the fact that the Democrats and the left are now using that term to vilify people who worship the Lord, who are Christians, is very telling. I think the bottom line is they know that if Christianity spreads, their movement, which is anti-God, That's right. um, anti-baby, anti-life, anti-religious freedom, uh, you know, for oppressing parental rights by pushing in dark, uh, outrageous indoctrination of public schools, all that's threatened if there's revival in America. And I think, that's, I think personally that's the reason they're, it, they're doing this and saying, using this terminology, they're saying, oh shoot, if there is a turnaround and people start going to church, they, they come to Christ and they start uh, be- being believers and read their Bibles, their movement to reset America is definitely uh, held in jeopardy.
2: Absolutely. And we've been seeing it for a long time, Brad. I know we talked about this a lot during the COVID and the people got fired. They're really trying to stop Christians from having any influence on our culture. That's really what this is all about, too. And, and, and you know, what, we see this whole situation here where they're trying to shut down people like Sean Foyt and Charlie Kirk and others who are simply out there speaking the truth in constitutionally protected areas. And that's what was happening at this event. And in fact, uh, it was it was reported that um, by media on mission that um, the, the the event turned out to be a peaceful event. People were there; they were worshiping, praying. Um, evangelism occurred, and and nobody was upset or angry yeah. or overthrowing the government. Nothing that you would associate with this nationalism thing.
1: You know what I'm concerned about. Is- <coughs> I've heard about people who attend rallies, and then they go to work on Monday morning and they're fired. Yes, we've seen those. Yes, we. Have. I think we even have some cases in litigation on behalf of people who were fired, not because anything they did in the job, yeah. but because they were spotted attending a pro-Christian rally or, or even a, a conservative rally or a Trump rally, or whatever, and they were they lost their job. So. Yeah. My concern is that with AI that employers and the left will be able to use AI to identify faces and get a list of those people who attended that, that Christian revival rally or Harvest Crusade or wherever, yeah, and then uh, use that electronically to find out where these people worked and then give notices to their employers. Yeah. This person atten- attended one of those Christian nationalism uh, rallies They are a danger to society, whatever, right. and causing it as a tool to purge Christians from the workplace. We saw it with the COVID, those who had religious objections to COVID. Uh, we've seen it to, with Christians having re- objections to pronouns, compromising on, on affirming lies and deceptions. Yes. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm concerned that AI combined with this mentality could be very dangerous for people to be able to have that, that fee- uh, feeling of compass to attend these kinds of uh, gatherings.
2: Absolutely. And and, and, that's right, because that is what this is all about. They're trying to shut down anybody who has a religious belief, frankly, who has a belief other than the worldly, messed up, woke system that we currently have. And it's got to stop. We have to what we have to do is continue with events like this. Agree or not with what Sean Foyk's doing. I happen to think it's wonderful. Yeah, me too. But, but agree or not, he needs to be there. We need him out there. We yes. need the Charlie Kirks. We need the people who are stirring the pot a little bit and expressing their faith in Jesus Christ. And yeah. that's what we need because we, we're not going to seed this ground. That's what PGI yeah. is all about. We're not going to just give up and say, oh, no, okay, we won't bother you guys. Thank you. Sorry
1: yeah. for bothering you. Satan would love nothing more. Than mm. to shut down people like him because he does not want revival. That's right. He wants to destroy America. He wants to destroy faith. Um, it, it's it's just it's a it's a real threat. Now, in uh, response to this, uh, Statesman editorial, and that's the the publication, the newspaper, the Statesman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt Brown of Think E Ministries tweeted on uh, Wednesday recently that uh, it reminded him of the criticism that early the early church received in the New Testament, which says, quote, "Uh, reminds me when people said, these men who have turned the world upside down (laughs) have now come here, end quote. He's (laughs) quoting from Acts uh, chapter 17, verse 6. Yes. Um, And then he went on to say, I guess preaching the gospel, praying and worshiping, is dangerous to some. It's dangerous to the gates of hell, end quote. That's right. And I think we need to look at it from that, that context. This is a a spiritual assault, a spiritual battle. Yes. Heaven forbid, literally, heaven forbid, complacency among the body of Christ, even if it is uh, accelerated in terms of the persecution that people have who attend revival rallies like this.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and that, it, that's exactly right. It, those who turn the world upside down. And frankly, if I'm Sean Foigt and hearing that about this, I'm thinking, yeah, that's exactly right. We're, we're turning the world upside down for Jesus.
0: Did you know that all of PJI's practical resources are offered free of charge and that we are proud to have served hundreds of thousands of people in this way? Just visit us at pji.org to download all the current and free resources you need. Now, back to the Dacus Report.
1: Welcome back. Uh, Michael, uh, we've seen uh, the... Circuit courts move in a positive direction since we had so many judicial appointments by former President Donald Trump. That's right. uh, he did so much for this nation in terms of our judiciary, from the Supreme Court all the way on down, including the circuit courts. Uh, and uh, so it's, we often see you know good outcomes, but sometimes these circuits are not always the best in terms of their outcomes. And one That's such right. case is involving the Second Circuit, which recently decided to uphold the state of Connecticut's uh, repeal of religious exemptions for vaccination requirements. This is very concerning, I know, for so many who are relying on religious exemptions not to be jabbed with the COVID-19 vax, which has proven to be so medically compromising in nature. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And one of the things that we found in representing a lot of people and advising way more than we represented, uh, we, we helped them, and then they got their, kept their jobs. One of the things that we found was is that oftentimes the company would say, you know what, we'll accept it if you have a medical exemption, but we won't accept it if you have a religious exemption. And our argument has been and continues to be that's not constitutional. You can't have a different standard for one uh, um, exemption than you do the other, especially when both are
1: firmly rooted in, in law. So religious exemptions, uh, they have, there's different levels of scrutiny for protection. Yes. Re, you know, religious <clears throat> objections do not involve the opposing side just having a rational basis to deny it. That's right. They have to show a compelling state interest... And they have to show that that compelling state interest is, you know, is narrowly tailored, uh, their policies are narrowly tailored to the most least restrictive means necessary for carrying out that compelling state interest.
2: Yes, that's right.
1: So that's the highest level of scrutiny. So arguably, if they allow for medical exemptions, then uh, or exemptions of any kind, they have to re- also allow religious exemptions because that's yeah. afforded the highest level of scrutiny exactly. and protection under the Constitution. Absolutely. It is a, an enumerated right
2: in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, and, and it, it gives, all laws have to at least give pause to the First Amendment. All laws that are done by, the, by the, any state or federal entity. Here, what's, what's interesting is, and I think it's important for our audience to know, so oftentimes when we file these lawsuits, uh, as we have filed many on this issue of terminating people without, for not getting the vaccine, uh, the, the other side brings what's known as a motion to dismiss, and again, remember, a motion to dismiss happens at the very beginning of a lawsuit. So there's no factual discovery yet. There's no, there's no litigation has occurred uh, to date. All you, there is filed is a complaint. So that's the, the the minimum of facts. And that's why the law disfavors dismissing a complaint at the motion to dismiss stage, because no factual development has happened. And that's now, what happened here.
1: Now, this was not a unanimous decision. Was it? It was a, it was a two to one. That's so right. So that means there were two justices who said, "Yeah, religious exemptions. Yeah, they're not protected. Yeah. yeah, Connecticut, you can repeal those and have those people of faith purged from the workplace. Yeah, effectively." But there was one justice uh, of the three that disagreed. Right. What wh- How do you disagree? And what was his position on disagreeing with that decision?
2: Yeah. What What this judge did is say that it was wrong for the majority, the two these two justices to dismiss this case out of hand and basically by doing so held that a religious exemption is not as important as a medical exemption. Now we're not here to tear down the rights of medical people that need medical exemptions, not far from it, but we're also we're here to support the fact that uh, our First Amendment right and Title VII and many many other laws give, bow to the First Amendment and say, no, you, you can't discriminate against a religion. You can't give favorable results to one right and
1: disparage another. Yeah. I think that this case is a strong case for, uh, for the religious freedom side. Uh, I predict that the Supreme Court, this is my prediction. I may be wrong. Yeah. Supreme Court takes less than, up, well, less than 1% of cases. Yeah. I predict that the Supreme Court is going to take this thing up, the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. And I also predict that it'll go by 5-4, 6-3, ruling that they cannot, Connecticut cannot have exemptions for medical reasons and not have exemptions for sincere, bona fide religious objectors. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, this Supreme Court, I think they've got this right. I think they will c- correct this decision. Uh, by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, what say you?
2: I agree. I, I think that the, there's definitely room here uh, for the the court. Hopefully, the, um, uh, the 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 Supreme Court will hear this, or maybe uh, an on banc decision to the entire Court of Appeals. But one way or the other, this has to be overturned. We we can't have differing rights uh, that set that holds of First Amendment freedom of religious liberty. And says, oh, it's not important, but a medical exemption is important. They're now the, both
1: important. Now, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, um, it's, it has a track record similar to the Ninth Circuit. It's not exactly been the most friendly circuit in the country. Yes. However, there were a lot of replacements on both the Ninth Circuit and the Second Circuit by former President Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, so if this goes on banc, where it's not just three judges looking at it, but it's a larger... You know, net of the judges uh, looking at this decision, right? Um, you th- it seems like there'd be a good chance that they might just themselves reverse this decision, and it may not have to go to the Supreme Court. But then again, uh, it may turn out that uh, that uh, the opponents to this Connecticut uh, po- policy and repeal may they just may decide. Let's not m- bother with en Banc, Let's just get this straight to the sure. Supreme Court. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it could go either way. It could go either way. And it, look,
2: if I believe if they did, I think the Supreme Court would take this. And I think it maybe even needs to be heard by the Supreme Court so we can stop this nonsense once and for all. I know that California has done similar things out here, of saying we'll accept for, for childhood vaccines. Uh, and so I'd love to see the Supreme Court take this up and, and say that the state doesn't get to decide
1: which rights are more important than another. Now, the judge in the dissenting said, notwithstanding these many fact-intensive questions regarding whether this law satisfies the general applicability requirement under Smith, the majority opinion closes the courthouse doors to plaintiffs on their free exercise claim on a motion to dismiss before any discovery and before plaintiffs had an opportunity to present evidence bearing on the general applicability requirement in this particular context. yes. So he's saying, wait a minute, the, the case wasn't even heard on the merits. That's right. It was just quickly, just flippantly uh, dismissed. Yeah. I think that is a separate argument. I think that in of itself should warrant a favorable outcome uh, by the Supreme Court. My only, the only problem I have with that is that the Supreme Court may look at it and say, that's right, we're going to send it back down. Get out the facts, get out the evidence, and then it has to make its way all the way back up again. Right.
2: Yeah, I I agree. But I think there's a, a chance that an en banc decision would say, no, 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 this needs to go back to the district court for a development of the facts so that we can figure this out, and then, at that point, go up to the Supreme Court
1: if they still disagree, if the Second
2: Circuit can't get their act together.
1: Yeah, we have a number of cases Arguing the same thing, very yes. similar to this. Yes. Where uh, the government says, okay, we can, we'll allow for medical exemptions, but not religious exemptions. You religious okay. people, we're going to treat you like second class citizens. Get in the back of the bus, you're out of here. That's right. I think there's a, a chance that actually one of our, our other cases, uh, cases uh, may actually make it to the Supreme Court before this may because bother. this is dealing with a dismissal that could actually string this out a good long while. So we'll have to see what happens but uh, folks, this is important. This is very important. Are people of faith with strong religious convictions explicitly protected under the Constitution's First Amendment free exercise clause? Are they somehow less entitled to protection than other groups that are not clearly protected by the First Amendment or any part of the Constitution for that matter? Yes, exactly. It's important. And uh, we're going to be watching it very, very closely. And the attorneys handling similar cases are going to be watching it very closely. Who are part of the PJI team in That's our many right. offices? Yep.
2: This is something we talk about regularly. We have attorneys meetings twice a week that all the attorneys talk about our cases. This is going to be on the topic of the conversation, no doubt.
1: And I like the fact you pointed that out because you know we may have an attorney in, say, Tucson, Arizona. One attorney. People say, well, that one attorney just by himself. No, no. no. All of our attorneys all across the country yeah. every week confer on Zoom calls, talk about their cases, talk about strategy, talk right. about procedure so that you know it's, it's a conglomerate. And so when anyone says, well, I'll just have this attorney way over here, this activist attorney has his own little office, a part-time nonprofit yeah. or whatever, yeah. uh, I'll have them do it. That's fine. Yeah, the attorney may do a good job, but yeah. they don't have the benefit of a conglomerate of a massive number of attorneys all across the country with different areas of expertise, uh, different levels of, of experience in different areas of law, coming together to formulate the most effective fighting dis- uh, machine and decisions and strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a real advantage that we have, by God's grace, and all these attorneys have a humble heart, servant's heart, wanting to do its best for the client and putting them first. So, folks, if you know of someone needing assistance, don't hesitate to contact us at pji.org. You can also sign up to get our free e-newsletter, and, uh, which I know if you're watching this program, you'll probably want to get to keep up with our many cases because we can only talk about so many of them right. uh, on these shows, Michael. So right. uh, I encourage people to take advantage of that. Abortionists have been cleared to work without any accountability this is in Minnesota yeah what happened this is frightening when it
2: comes down to it here we have these abortion pro-abortion pro baby killing laws that are on the books and here in Minnesota there was a law that said if during an abortion a baby is born alive then it is incumbent upon the doctor to provide reasonable medical care as is required and to report to the state when this happens. So to me, that seems eminently reasonable. Even for baby killers, this seems like it should be reasonable. But unfortunately, that got repealed now, and so that now if a baby is born alive, during an abortion or as a result of an abortion, they don't have to do anything. They can just let the baby die and not inform the state, nothing of the kind. It, it's, wow. it's so morally obscene that it's, it's hard to even
1: imagine actually. And we have something like that in California. That's right. It's an infanticide legislation. It's the law in California that a baby can be killed, I think it's up to 28 days after it's born. Yeah. And as long as there's just some rational basis a- attributing it to uh, the pregnancy or the outcome of the pregnancy, maybe it was a boy and they wanted a girl, yeah. possibly. Yeah. As long as they have that, um, no investigation, no criminal investigation. Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, Even those examining the remains of the baby, if they see that the baby was stabbed or killed, they're pre- prohibited from saying anything. That's, That's how right. dark and evil California has become. Yeah. I hate to see other states like Minnesota, Minnesota. following suit. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. It is terrible. And the, it's, it's to me, uh,
2: of course, they don't want the abortion industry. The baby killing industry does not want people to know what happens inside these clinics and inside these abortion places. Be, they want to operate in darkness because they live in darkness. And and I'm talking about moral darkness.
0: We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. EJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos.
1: We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, President of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.